Today is Sunday, April 26, 2020, in case you didn't know after being locked up all this time. On today's episode of the Silly Goose Podcast, episode 4, it's coming a little later than usual because, you know, when you're in college and finals are coming up, the uh, schedule can get kind of tight, even though I'm in my room 24-7 these days. Nevertheless, on this episode, we will not be discussing the NFL draft and we will not be making a top 10 style list of who had the best draft overall. So... Let's get into it, shall we? Now, before we get into not discussing the 2020 NFL draft that was done virtually for the first time, and quite honestly, hopefully the last time in the history of sports drafts that are not fantasy-related. We have some breaking news as of right now. According to Bleacher Report, the New Orleans Saints and Jameis Winston are nearing an agreement of a one-year contract that would see him join the franchise as Drew Brees' backup for next year. Now, uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports reported that the deal would be very economical Given the Saints cap situation now, that would obviously mean that Jameis Winston would be basically taking a pay cut after his first five seasons with the Tampa Bay Bucks. obviously now having Tom Brady there. And he's coming off of a relatively roller coaster of a, of a campaign. He led the NFL with 5,109 passing yards along with 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Everyone knows that. In my opinion, this is a great move for Jameis Winston. There has never been a question that Winston likes to throw the football, right? There has also never been a question that he likes to throw it to receivers and the defenders equally. He obviously made history by being the founding member of the 30-30 club last season, but he also led the league with over 5,000 passing yards. The dude is a spectacle to say the least. That's why Winston needs to be under Drew Brees for next season. He is he he just got LASIK eye surgery to fix the interception vision. Dude couldn't even see 20 to 20 yards down the field without wondering if it was Mike Evans or Minka Fitzpatrick he was throwing the ball to. I mean, come on. That's remarkable. He still threw 30 touchdowns last year. I mean, are you kidding me? He's got new eyes to go along with that cannon of an arm that we all know about and those leadership skills that he developed in his time at Florida State. But now He's about to become a godlike QB. Yes, you heard me. He's going to become godlike, which everyone thought he would be, because of Drew Brees. Drew Brees is arguably the second greatest quarterback in the... Sorry, it's Sunday. My father brought me some fresh mozzarella to eat. We're having an Italian dinner tonight, and God forbid I get a little hungry. Anyway, Drew Brees is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. There's no question. He's one of the best at reading a defense and throwing the ball in the perfect pocket where the receiver is the only one who can catch it, like Mike, uh, Michael Thomas. They do it constantly, every game. Drew Brees knows what it takes to make a playoff run and win a Super Bowl. Sean Payton is one of the smartest, most well-rounded coaches over the last 30 years. Guys like that will help Jameis Winston become the greatest quarterback of his generation. I said it, yes, but that'll come in time, over the course of a year, learning under... One of the greatest ever do with Drew Brees. And one of the greatest coaches of his generation in Sean Payton. But let me know what you guys think of the Jameis Winston deal reportedly going through. 
and what you think it could do for his career going forward. And maybe the Saints are going to pull a 180 on Taysom Hill after next year and just be like, you're going to stay in your role as this utility who-knows-what guy for the rest of your career while Jameis Winston comes in and takes your spot that we said we were going to give to you after Drew Brees was retired. That That's an interesting debate that I wish I could have with another person right now, but I can't because I am locked in my room. Anyway, I know I said I wasn't going to do a draft episode, but I lied. Deal with it. Now, it's fair to say that this was a loaded draft class for both offensive and defensive talent alike. Maybe one of the best in a long time, potentially. I don't know. With that being said, I made a top five for the teams that uh, drafted the best and the worst in my own personally unbiased opinion, of course. But before we get into that, I want to give an honorable mention to the best. The Miami Dolphins, my team. Right out of the gate, Dolphins made me happy drafting Tua over Justin Herbert. My father, also a longtime Dolphins fan, was for some reason disappointed with this pick. He thinks that Herbert would have been the more safe, better move. I don't agree with that. I think Tua is just too much of a talent to get away from. Sure, he ha- he might have some weak ankles. Everyone knows this. He might. His legs may be a little... uh brittle as they say but I just think it's the better move because if he's able to stay on the field his entire career his ceiling is sky high and along with Tua they drafted Austin Jackson who again could turn out to be a great pick but it's potentially a risk given that he is literally as raw as they come as an offensive lineman but again if he, like Tua, can grow into their, to his uh, potential. It would be another great pick, especially with a solid running back in Matt Breida coming in, thankfully, after they didn't choose to, to draft a running back. Adding Matt Breida to the team is huge, but that has nothing to do with the draft. But Noah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to botch this so hard. Igbenogany? Igbenogany. Yeah, I think it's Igbenogany. Anyway, Noah Igbenogany, defensive back out of Auburn, was a beautiful pick to close out the first round. They had a tremendous first round, in my opinion. I was a little scared that they didn't draft either one of those wide receivers or the running back, but after seeing the whole scope of the draft, it made sense that they went offensive line and defense as their priority. So they didn't get into the list, but honorable mention because if all goes right after the draft that they just had the Miami defense could be one of the best in for years to come if it develops the right way and they keep drafting after this or going out and getting players because we know they know how to draft they drafted Minka Fitzpatrick and he's a premier defender in the league now (laughs) getting into the list number five worst New England Patriots now Bill Belichick is obviously known for being the king of the NFL draft. He trades down for picks because he believes he can turn Joe Schmo into a Pro Bowl caliber player. Most of the time, he's right. But for now, I think this was a bad draft for New England. Kyle Duggar, who's getting comparisons to Patrick Chung already. 24-year-old speedster who possesses some concerns regarding his lateral mobility. Uh, Edge rusher Josh Uche? Ush? I don't know. These guys making it hard on me these days. But he's got a lot of upside. 
Josh. Michigan did not use him the right way to get the best of his abilities out onto the field, but a guy like Bill Belichick obviously knows how to do so. But the additions of uh, Michael Onwenu and Justin Heron were good choices on day three, but they reached with their uh, two, first two picks, like Anferini Jennings, tight end Dalton Keene, tight end Devin Asiasi, and a kicker, Justin uh, Rohrwasser, linebacker Cash Maluia, and offensive lineman Dustin Woodward were all earlier selection than a lot of people were comfortable with. I just don't think the Patriots had a good draft this year at all. And obviously, Bill Pelichek is going to come back, bite me in the ass, and prove me wrong in a few years. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it was Tom Brady that orchestrated the entire dynasty that was the New England Patriots. That is hopefully over now. But getting number five best, the Cleveland Browns. Ah, the Cleveland Browns. As disappointing of a 2019 was for Cleveland, I think they did a great job in this draft. Cleveland landed arguably the draft's best offensive uh, lineman in uh, Jedrick Wills. On day two, the Browns watched uh, LSU safety Grant Delpit fall into their lap, which is a great pick for them as their defense needed some help in the secondary. And he was, uh, he was looking to be a first-round pick, and he just fell. So good for the Browns getting him. Uh, defensive tackle Jordan Elliott was a former five-star recruit. Can potentially become one of the best defensive tackles in the class. Value continued on day three with the additions of interior offensive lineman Nick Harris. Wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. Obviously, people were talking about him. When was he going to go? He went pretty late, and tight end Harrison Bryant, uh, that, uh, that was okay. But the one selection that just didn't do it was the uh, linebacker, Jacob Phillips. But overall, solid draft for the Brownies. Better than most, for sure. Good for the Brownies. All right. Number four worst, Chicago Bears. Duh, Bears. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on over there in Chi-Town, but it's not what I like to see. I mean, what the hell are they trying to do down there? They have an Are they trying to make an entire offense out of tight ends? They have 10 tight ends on the roster now. Like, what are they doing? The tight end position was not a pressing issue for them. So it it's really hard to justify that the pick of Cole Kmet in the second round. I don't... I, especially as their, their first pick? What? They waited... 50 picks to get another tight end? No, they need help in way more areas than tight end. I can tell you that right now. Cornerback, Jalen Johnson. Great player, but was only on the board because he's been dealing with an injury. So they so they gotta have they gotta be able to track that. Edge rusher, Travis Gibson. He was picked too early. Cornerback, Kendall Vildor. Solid pick. He's feisty. He can step in and fulfill a nickel roll if he needed to. But Tulane wide receiver Darnell Mooney, good speed, but he's not far along enough in his development to be drafted when he was, in my opinion. And Chicago, they they ended the draft by adding 
two unknown prospects, Arlington Hambright, offensive lineman, and uh, Lachavius Simmons. Honestly, it breaks my heart to say that the Bears are a confused franchise right now. That's why they are number four worst on my list. Number four best, Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? They, <laughs> I was pleasantly su surprised with their draft, especially because I do not enjoy watching the Dallas Cowboys play football, even though I'm forced to every Sunday because Fox just loves their Cowboys. The team that, in my opinion, didn't really go after positions that they were necessarily needing, but they went after players that made their offense and defense better overall to maybe hide the flaws of their uh, weaknesses. Uh, Mike McCarthy, first year head coach for, first year being the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones began their new path together by jumping on the chance to select the draft's best wide receiver, C.D. Lamb. Dak Prescott must be going crazy right now for this guy. He is going to be their number one receiver either next year or the year after that. Dak Prescott, he might stay just because of him. They parlayed that optimism in with uh, two more productive days. Cornerback Trayvon Diggs and defensive tackle Neville Gallimore. They were valued higher than they were selected. So basically steals. Edge rusher Bradley Anae and uh, center Tyler Biadas were both valuable additions. There were no issues with the selection of cornerback Reggie Robinson II and quarterback uh, Ben DiNucci to be back up to Dak Prescott. But in my opinion, Dallas just got flat out better over the course of three days, and that's exactly what you need in the draft is just to get better. Every once in a while, teams come along, they're picking for the future. Two, three years down the road, they'll get ready. They'll be in there. But a team like Dallas that has the tools to win. They just need the right coaching situation and a couple plugins. And I think that's exactly what they got. So they're going to, if all goes right, they're going to contend. Good for the Cowboys. You know, they had a really tough year last year. Good for the Cowboys getting good in the draft. Team that didn't do so good. Number three worst, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, this is a weird one for me because it wasn't like they actually picked badly or anything. It's because the Steelers, they just didn't get better over those three days. Like I was saying with the Cowboys. How they got better, the, the Steelers just didn't. Nothing exciting happened to to a team that, in my eyes, can make the playoffs next year, just like the Cowboys. See, the, the Steelers and the Cowboys were in a very similar position going into this draft. The Steelers were making a playoff push at the end of the year, and they were showing signs that they were they were they were getting in. They were gonna do it. But Dallas was kinda on the the other side of that. They struggled for a while in the middle of the season, towards the end. They just couldn't hold it together, but they were in the hunt for the playoffs the entire time. And coming into this draft, they both knew, hey, we need a couple pieces to make this all fit. Dallas did it right, and Pittsburgh did it wrong, flat out. Uh, day two was early for wide receiver Chase Claypool and edge rusher uh, Alex Highsmith. Okay, eh. Running back Anthony McFarlane Jr. He's not a well-rounded back at all, and there were better options at the time that they took him on the board and do they really need another running back i mean james connor has been doing the job very well since Le'Veon bell left and i think they needed more help on the offensive front and maybe in the wide receiver slots to get someone else other than juju smith schuster the ball uh 
offensive guard Kevin Dotson was fantastic, like I said, because they needed they needed a good offensive lineman. Safety Antoine Brooks Jr. solid player, but not an exciting pick. It just wasn't the draft Pittsburgh should have been looking to have. They just didn't look to improve as much as they needed to. But number three best, Baltimore Ravens. Now, Baltimore was the team with the best record in the regular season a year ago. Everyone picked them to win it all. They were like, oh, they're going to take down the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They're going to take down the Patriots in the AFC Championship. They didn't even get to the AFC Championship. They got knocked out by those red-hot Titans. Derrick Henry just steamrolling teams. But they (laughs) scarily got better over the course of three days, and it felt as though Boston was picking from a different pool than those other teams. The Ravens were just firing it up. Linebacker, Patrick Queen. Running back, J.K. Dobbins. Defensive tackle, Justin Madabuki. Wide receiver, Devin Duvernay. Linebacker, Malik Harrison. Offensive guard, Brett Breedson. Wide receiver James Proche and safety Geno Stone. All great value players that can really make a difference as early as next year. Offensive lineman Tyree Phillips and defensive tackle Broderick Washington uh, were either... They, I, see, CBS has them as, as, a, as a reach. I think these are pretty good valued players, and especially in the later rounds of the draft. And any team would be happy to have them. I don't think... Any team found a more consistent basis than the Ravens this year. Baltimore, kind of like New England, has always had a nick for uh, drafting. But Baltimore, if the big picks can make an impact, is officially, in my opinion, ready to win a Super Bowl. Number two worst, Seattle Seahawks. Again, it's not even about having a bad draft plan. Just bad, non-exciting decisions with what they were going for. Linebacker Jordan Brooks and edge rusher Daryl Taylor came off the board earlier than they needed to. There were better picks available at the time. Damian Lewis, eh. I mean, they're not going to get any heat for it, but how did that really make them better? But other than that, tight end Kobe Parkinson, running back DJ Dallas and edge rusher Alton Robinson, they just aren't exciting. Like, completely boring draft from a team that should be trying to improve to compete right now and in the distant future. Obviously, they're a playoff team every year. Russell Wilson will not let them not be a playoff team. But you got to draft better than that. You got to be able to build a sustainable future while you're still in a competitive present, if that makes any sense. I think it does, but that's just me. Number two best, the New York Giants. Wow. Wow. An unforeseen great showing by the Big Blue this week. New York potentially added its left and right tackles of the future with Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert. Pert? Pert? Peart? I don't know. Respectively. Sandwiched between those two players was Xavier McKinney, who is, one, regarded as draft's best safety, and two, New York Giants fans are very excited to see what he has to offer. He offers a lot of ability and versatility. He's quick. He has great on-ball skills. And he hits hard, man. He knows how to hit. Cornerback, Darnay Holmes, an interior offensive lineman, Shane Lemieux. 
should be solid contributors, especially on a line that was just not not it, especially over the last, I don't know, seven seasons. They just let Eli Manning and Daniel Jones Light just get sacked constantly. Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, same last name as the coach that brought them two Super Bowls, TJ Brunson, and Tay Crowder. All intriguing linebacker selections to help on that defensive side that showed a lot of improvement last year. But I think some of these picks can definitely help turn that turn that into a force on defense rather than just a team that's looking to stay in the game. And then finally, Chris Williamson was a consistent producer as well. But general manager Dave Gettleman told reporters his goal was to fix the offensive line once and for all, and he definitely took a big step big step in doing so. Now we're getting into both number ones. Starting off with the number one worst. My good friend Kevin Redfern is going to hate me for saying this. The Green Bay Packers. Now this is where I am going to get mad. I am not even a Packers fan and just thinking about it is making my ears fume. Here we go. How are you going to justify trading up to pick a quarterback in the first round when you have one of the best on the planet locked in for the next four years? Especially when he is still highly competitive. He's the gunslinger that dominates defenses. Why wouldn't you get him a skill guy when there were guys on the board for the picking? Like Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show the other day before the first round and said, you know, we haven't gotten a, we haven't gotten a skill, skill player since I've been here, so uh, that would be pretty cool. You know, with his, his subtle southern draw that he's got going. And that big beard that he's grown. But it doesn't make sense that they would. They wouldn't do anything for Aaron Rodgers. They essentially did nothing for Aaron Rodgers over the first two days, actually. Trading up for Jordan Love in the first round. Running back A.J. Dillon and tight end Josiah DeGora. These guys are big reaches. And it's very possible that neither of these guys even, like, sniff contribution in 2020 which is scary thought it's a scary thought especially for for round two three guys like those are the guys that are supposed to make an impact right away some of them might be projects and might be able to get better but those are guys that need to be thought of as potential contributors and helping you win games, especially when they were one win away from a Super Bowl last year. And why couldn't they do that? Why couldn't they go after better defense to stop the run game that killed them in the NFC Championship game? It doesn't make sense what they are trying to do. They should have picked a wide receiver in round one. And they should have picked either a defensive lineman, a quality linebacker, safety, something. To stop the run game. Because they need it. But no. Instead they take. Kamal Martin. And they take. Simon Stepanyak. John Runyon. And Jake's, Jake Hansen. Vernon Scott. Jonathan Garvin. They had a ton of picks. But by the. Fifth. Sixth. Seventh round. It really doesn't matter. Because those guys are projects. Those are the guys that take a while. But your first three rounds should be guys that you're expecting to play. 
Just disappointing from Green Bay this year. Disappointing and shocked, to be quite honest with you. And the number one best, I don't even have to say it, Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, they got the best player in the draft in Joe Burrow. Even when reports were coming out for weeks disputing that they would even do so. But the bigger surprise was the consistency of good picks for the Big Cats. It's the ultimate ob objective for any NFL team to pick consistently good players that you can see in your lineup day after day. After Joe Burrow, the team drafted wide receiver T. Higgins and linebacker Logan Wilson on day two. T. Higgins is going to grow up with Joe Burrow in the NFL. These two guys can be the most dynamic duo right after Mahomes and Hill. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it has the makings of being that way. T. Higgins is a top wide receiver in that draft class, and <laughs> Joe Burrow is happy with that, especially with A.J. Green still on the roster. Their wide receiver core just got a little bit better. Uh, linebacker, Akeem Davis-Gaither. Edge rusher, Khalid Kareem. Offensive lineman, Hakeem Adeniji. Linebacker, Marcus Bailey. Every selection, in my opinion, was, was a grand slam. Maybe outside of Kareem, who is maybe more like a tripler, though. I don't know. But the Bengals built a, respective, a respectable offensive unit around their quarterback, Joe Burrow. Compared to seasons prior, the team they've assembled in the draft is leaps and bounds better than what they have. And before I'm done talking about the draft, which I basically am, I just want to give a shout-out to offensive lineman highlights. You know, in-season, in-game, you're not seeing those highlights. You're seeing highlights of wide receivers going up top to catch a ball one-handed in the back of the end zone. You're seeing 50-yard bombs by quarterbacks. You're seeing big hits by defensive backs on the quarterback. You're seeing interceptions coming off the sideline, crazy, crazy stuff. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty during the NFL draft, you got to bust out the lineman highlights, and they are good. Just shuffles, seeing how good they are at shuffling left and shuffling right, maybe coming around an end to pick up a block to get their running back into the end zone. As a former lineman, I just want to, you know, I just want to give a shout out to the big boys up front who don't get enough love most of the time unless it's on draft night. But with that being said, that's going to do it for episode four of the pod. Let me know what you think of my best slash worst list by tweeting me at SpennyGoose underscore underscore or on Instagram at Spencer Gustafson. Have a happy Sunday, everyone. Stay safe and I'll see you soon. Bye, Bobby.